<clears throat> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same menu, there is a link to subscribe to a daily email also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, with Section 10, Magic versus Miracles. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause to practice our lesson for the day, um, lesson 111, which is a review, first in review three, reviewing lesson 91, miracles are seen in light, and 92, miracles are seen in light, and light and strength are one. Let me ask you, Lori, while the preparation for all that, um, is there, do you have a poet, one of your marvelous poetic openings? Boy, this one's a blessing. There's a poem from Rumi, and it's called One, One, One. The lamps are different but the capital light is the same. So many garish lamps in the dying brain's lamp shop. Forget about them. Concentrate on essence. Concentrate on the light in lucid bliss, calmly smoking off its own holy fire. The light streams toward you from all things, all people, all possible permutations of good, evil, thought, passion, the lamps are different, but the light is the same. One matter, one energy, one light, one light mind, endlessly emanating all things, one turning and burning diamond, one, one, one. Ground yourself. Strip yourself down to blind, loving silence. Stay there until you see you are gazing at the light with its own ageless eyes. Miracles are seen in light, and light and strength are one. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Once again, thank you for the privilege. Thank you very much.
Yeah, thank you, Lori. Uh, I can't, I can't resist the pun, pun, pun of one more one. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, this morning with us in reading, we have Lori, Fran, Karen, and Donna. With us in listening, I have Kristen, Ida, Harrison, Seema, and Mindy. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to uh, say good morning or join the reading list? Okay. Well, I'll get us started then in Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, with Magic Section 10. Excuse me. Chapter 9, The Correction of Error, Section 10, Magic versus Miracle. All magic is a form of reconciling the irreconcilable. All religion is the recognition that the irreconcilable cannot be reconciled. Sickness and perfection are irreconcilable. If God created you perfect, you are perfect. If you believe you can be sick, you have placed other gods before him. God is not at war with the God of sickness you made, but you are. He is the symbol of willing against God, and you are afraid of him because he cannot be reconciled with God's will. If you attack him, you will make him real to you. But if you refuse to worship him in whatever form he may appear to you and wherever you think you see him, he will disappear into the nothingness out of which he was made. And Laurie. Uh, chapter 9, The Correction of Errors, Section 10, Magic versus Miracles, 85. All magic is a form of reconciling the irreconcilable. All religion is the recognition that the irreconcilable cannot be reconciled. Sickness and perfection are irre- irreconcilable. If God created you perfect, you are perfect. If you believe you can be sick, you have placed other gods before him. God is not at war with the god of sickness you made, but you are. He is the symbol of willing against God, and you are afraid of him because he cannot be reconciled with God's will. If you attack him, you will make him real to you. But if you refuse to worship him in whatever form he may appear to you, and whatever you think, wherever you think you see him, he will disappear into the nothingness out of which he was made. Eighty-six. Reality can dawn only on an unclouded mind. It is always there to be accepted, but its acceptance depends on your willingness to have it. To know reality must involve the willingness to judge unreality for what it is. This is the right use of selective perception. 
to overlook nothing. This is merely to judge it correctly. And because of your ability to evaluate it truly, to let it, excuse me, to overlook nothingness is merely to judge it correctly. And because of your ability to evaluate it truly, to let it go. Knowledge cannot dawn on a mind full of illusions because truth and illusions are irreconcilable. Truth is whole and cannot be known by part of a mind. Thank you, Lori. And Fran? Reality can dawn only on an unclouded mind. It is always there to be accepted, but its acceptance depends on your willingness to have it. To know reality must involve the willingness to judge unreality for what it is. This is the right use of selective perception. To overlook nothingness is merely to judge it correctly, and because of your ability to evaluate it truly, to let it go. Knowledge cannot dawn on a mind full of illusions, because truth and illusions are irreconcilable. Truth is whole and cannot be known by part of a mind. 87. The sonship cannot be perceived as partly sick, because to perceive it that way is not to perceive it at all. If the sonship is one, it is one in all respects. Oneness cannot be divided. If you perceive other gods, your mind is split, and you will not be able to limit the split, because the split is the sign that you have removed part of your mind from God's will, and this means it is out of control. To be out of control is to be out of reason, and the mind does become unreasonable without reason. This is merely a matter of definition. By defining the mind wrongly, you perceive it as functioning wrongly. Thank you, friend. And Karen. 87. The sonship cannot be perceived as partly sick, because to perceive it that way is not to perceive it at all. If the sonship is one, it is one in all respects. Oneness cannot be divided. If you perceive other gods, your mind is split, and you will not be able to limit the split, because the split is the sign that you have removed part of your mind from God's will. And this means it is out of control. To be out of control is to be out of reason. And the mind does become unreasonable without reason. This is merely a matter of definition. By defining the mind wrongly, you perceive it as functioning wrongly. 88. God's laws will always keep your mind at peace because peace is his will and his laws are, are established to uphold it. His are the laws of freedom, but yours are the laws of bondage. Since freedom and bondage are irreconcilable, their laws cannot be understood together. The laws of God work only for your good and there are no other laws beside his. Everything else is merely lawless and therefore chaotic. 
Yet God himself has protected everything he created by his laws. Therefore, everything that is not under them does not exist. The so-called laws of chaos are meaningless by definition. Creation is perfectly lawful, and the chaotic is without meaning because it is without God. You have given your peace to the gods you made, but they are not there to take it from you, and you are not able to give it to them. Thank you, Karen. And Donna. Eighty-eight. Laws will keep your mind at God's laws will keep your mind at peace because peace is his will and his laws are established to uphold it. His are the laws of freedom, but yours are the laws of bondage. Since freedom and bondage are irreconcilable, their laws cannot be understood together. The laws of God work only for your good, and there are no other laws beside his. Everything else is merely lawless and therefore chaotic. Yet God himself has protected everything he created by his laws. Therefore, everything that is not under them does not exist. In quotes, law of chaos are meaningless by definition. Creation is perfectly lawful and the chaotic is without meaning because it is without God. You have given your peace to the gods you made, but they are not there to take it from you, and you are not able to give it to them. 89. You are not free to give up freedom, but only to deny it. You cannot do what God did not intend, because what he did not intend does not happen. Your gods do not bring chaos. You are endowing them with chaos and accepting it of them. All this has never been. Nothing but the laws of God has ever operated, and nothing except his will will ever be. You were created through his laws and by his laws. And the manner of your creation established you as creators. What you have made is so unworthy of you that you could hardly want it if you were willing to see it as it is. You will see nothing at all. And your vision will automatically look beyond it to what is in you and around you. Reality cannot be broken through the obstructions you interpose, but it will envelop you completely when you let them go. Thank you, Donna. And is there a new reader for 89 and 90? This is Sandra. Okay, thanks, Harrison. You are not free to give up freedom, but only to deny it. 
You cannot do what God did not intend because what he did not intend does not happen. Your gods do not bring chaos. You are endowing them with chaos and accepting of them. All this has never been. Nothing but the laws of God has ever operated and nothing except his will will ever be. You were created through his laws and by his will, and the manner of your creation established you as creators. Hmm. What you have made is so unworthy of you that you could hardly want it. If you were willing to see it as it is, you will see nothing at all, and your vision will automatically look beyond it to what is in you and all around you. Reality cannot break through the obstructions you interpose, but it will envelop you completely when you let them go. 90. When you have experienced the protection of God, the making of idols becomes inconceivable. There are no strange images in the mind of God, and what is not in his mind cannot be in yours because you are of one mind, and that mind belongs to him. It is yours because it belongs to him, for ownership is sharing to him, and if it is so for him, it is so for you. His definitions are his laws, for by them he establishes the universe as what it is, no false gods you attempt to interpose between yourself and your reality affect truth at all. Peace is yours because God created you and he created nothing else. Thank you, Sandra. And Harrison. Not me. <coughs> When you have experienced the protection of God, the making of idols becomes inconceivable. There are no strange images in the mind of God. And what is not in his mind cannot be in yours. Because you are of one mind, and that mind belongs to chapter to H, him. It is yours because it belongs to him. For ownership is sharing to him. And if it is so for him, it is so for you. His definitions are his laws. For by them he established the universe as what it is. No false gods you attempt to interpose between yourself and your, your reality affect truth at all. Peace is yours 
because God created you. Bears repeating, peace is yours because God created you. And he created nothing else. 91. The miracle is the act of a son of God who has laid aside all false gods and who calls on his brothers to do likewise. It is an act of faith because it is the recognition that his brother can do it. It is a call to the Holy Spirit in his mind, a call to him which is strengthened by this joining. Because the miracle worker has heard him, he strengthens his voice and the sick brother by weakening his belief in sickness, which he does not share. The power of one mind can shine into another because all the lamps of God were lit by the same spark. It is everywhere. And it is eternal. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader for 91 and 92? Love to do it, the more I can read now. Oh. Okay, okay um, go ahead. Judy, Judy no. first. Okay. Yeah, go ahead, Judy. Thank you, Robin Marie. Thank you, Lemoyne. The miracle is the act of the Son of God who has laid aside all false gods and who calls on his brothers to do likewise. It is an act of faith because it is the recognition that his brother can do it. It is a call to the Holy Spirit in his mind, a call to him which is strengthened by this joining. Because the miracle worker has heard him, he strengthens his voice in a sick brother by weakening his belief in sickness, which he does not share. The power of one mind can shine into another because all the lamps of God were lit by the same spark. It is everywhere and it is eternal. In many, only the spark remains, for the great rays are obscured. Yet God has kept the spark alive so that the rays can never be completely forgotten. If you but see the little spark, you will learn of the greater light for the rays are there unseen. Perceiving the spark will heal, but knowing the light 
will create. Yet, in the returning, the little light must be acknowledged first. For the separation was a descent from magnitude to littleness. But the spark is still as pure as the great light because it is the remaining call of creation. Put all your faith in it and God himself will answer you. Put all your faith in it and God himself will answer you. Amen. Now, thank you, Judy. And Robin Murray. I think you're on mute, Robin Murray. I was on mute. Sorry. <laughs> 92, in many, only the spark remains, for the great rays are obscured, yet God has kept the spark alive so that the rays can never be completely forgotten. If you but see the little spark, you will learn of the greater light, for the rays are there unseen. Perceiving the spark will heal, but knowing the light will create. Yet in the returning, the little light must be acknowledged first. For the separation was a descent from magnitude to littleness. But the spark is still as pure as the great light. Because it is the remaining call of creation, put all your faith in it, and God himself will answer you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And so to summarize this section, magic versus miracles. I believe this to be the one place that mentions magic. All magic is a form of reconciling the irreconcilable. God is not at war with the God of sickness you made, but you are. He is the symbol of willing against God. You are afraid of him because he cannot be reconciled with God's will. Reality can dawn only on an unclouded mind. It is always there to be accepted, but its acceptance depends on your willingness to have it. To know reality must involve the willingness to judge unreality for what it is. This is the right use of selective perception. Knowledge cannot dawn on a mind full of illusions because truth and illusion are irreconcilable. Truth is whole and cannot be known by part of the mind.
The sonship cannot be perceived as partly sick because to perceive it that way is not to perceive at all. If the sonship is one, it is one in all respects. Oneness cannot be divided. This is a matter of definition. By defining the mind wrongly, you perceive it as functioning wrongly. God's laws will keep your minds at peace because peace is his will and his laws are established to uphold it. His laws are the laws of freedom, but yours are the laws of bondage. Since freedom and bondage are irreconcilable, their laws cannot be understood together. The laws of God work only for your good, and there are no other laws besides His. Everything else is merely lawless and therefore chaotic. Yet God Himself has protected everything He created by His laws. Creation is perfectly lawful, and the chaotic is without meaning because it is without God. You have given your peace to the gods you made, but they are not there to take it from you, and you are not able to give it to them. You are not free to give up freedom, but only to deny it. You cannot do what God did not intend, because what he did not intend does not happen. Your gods do not bring chaos. You are endowing them with chaos and accepting about them. All this has never been. You were created through God's laws and by his will and the manner of your creation established you as created. What you have made is so unworthy of you that you could hardly want it if you were willing to see it as it is. Then you will see nothing at all. And your vision will automatically look beyond it to what is in you and all around you. Reality cannot break through the obstructions you interpose, but it will envelop you completely when you let them go. When you have experienced the protection of God, the making of idols becomes inconceivable. His definitions are his laws, for by them he established the universe as what it is. No false gods you attempt to interpose between yourself and your reality affect truth at all. Peace is yours because God created you, and he created nothing else. The miracle is the act of a son of God who has laid aside all false gods and who calls on his brothers to do likewise. It is an act of faith because it is the recognition that his brother can do it. It is a call to the Holy Spirit in his mind, a call to him which is strengthened by this joining. Because the miracle worker has heard him, he strengthens his voice, in the sick brother by weakening his belief in sickness, which miracle worker does not share. 
The power of one mind can shine into another because all the lamps of God were lit by the same spark. It is everywhere, and it is eternal. If you but see the little spark, you will learn of the greater light, for the rays are there unseen. Perceiving the spark will heal, but knowing the light will create. And yet in the returning, the little light must be acknowledged first, for the separation was a descent from magnitude to littleness. But the spark is still as pure as the great light because it is the remaining call of creation. Put all your faith in it, and God himself will answer you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you. And you are welcome. Something kind of dawned on me last night. This chapter is called The Correction of Error, but it really doesn't deal with error very much. It doesn't even deconstruct it. It's more like saying, you know, your error. Errors we use to perceive chaos and seek bondage to protect ourselves from our perception is uh, it's just not real. <laughs> and that's, that's about it. We're not free to give up freedom, but only to deny it. Amen. Just perfect. Thanks, Lemoyne. Good morning. It's Harrison. Would someone else want to share? No, I think you might. No, I just wanted to say real quick, I love how everybody thanks the speaker. I don't use it. I just thank them in turn, but I don't say it. And when everybody thanks the previous speaker, they are experiencing gratitude. So I'm going to start saying thank you also and extending it. I love that this is such a thankful group. I'm complete. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Um, thank sure. you all. Yes, thank You're you, welcome. Steve. Thank you, Um, I shared on an earlier call about the previous lesson. I am, as God created 
make. And the thought was that these lessons do not occur in isolation. We can't talk this morning. Um, these lessons are meant to extend themselves in and through us and we are to carry them in our thoughts, make them a part of our thought system. And when you have a lesson such as the one yesterday that points the way to who we are in truth, I am as God created me. And if I can keep that in mind as I do the following lessons or to read the text, it becomes so much meaningful, so much more meaningful to me. And this section, Magic Versus Miracles, is really comparing uh, who we are as God created us and who we have thought we were. All magic is a form of reconciling the irreconcilable. If I am as God created me, then I am a perfect creation. There is nothing to reconcile. I am that now. I'll be that in the next minute, hour, day, week, etc. That does not change because what God created does not change. And there's nothing to reconcile. There is only oneness. There is only who I am as God created me. And that means includes all of my creations, all of my extensions which includes you. You are my extensions. If I am extending you as love, 
And that's all that's there is an extension of love. So sickness can't be there because what I stand with love is perfection. And as I see you, I see you as symbolic of that perfection. And even though I created you for a different purpose, separation, I can change the purpose for which I created you and see you as an extension of what I am as God created me, love. That's it. That's who I am. That is who you are. That is who all that I think of is. That's how I extend love. That's how I eliminate the illusion of separation. Magic versus miracles is the title of this section. It's either one or the other. If I choose to see myself as a body, if I choose to see this world as real, if I choose to get caught up in the agreements or disagreements of the world, then I only have magic to fix things. But if I see the world as God created it, a world of love, peace, and happiness, you say, wait a minute, how can you do that? It's easy. Just change my mind about the world. The world isn't the world of conflict. It's a world of peace. The world is not a world of hate. It's a world of love. It starts with seeing myself as God created me. I'm complete. Thank you, Harry Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you.
That's a wonderful summary, Harrison. And uh, great lead-in to what the the last paragraph asks us to look for and what the lesson is today. So, Fran, would you lead us in the lesson for the day? Sure. Hi, everybody. We are still in the first part of the workbook, and today we start Review 3. Um, we have an introduction, and also we summarize the introduction by reading some of it. And then we'll do the first lesson. And then at the second part of the hour, at the 30 part, we're going to do the second lesson. We'll take a minute on each one. Okay, here we go. Our third review begins today. We will review two of the last 20 ideas each day until we have reviewed them all. We will observe a special format for these practice periods, which you are urged to follow just as closely as you can. Learning will not be hampered when you miss a practice period because it is impossible at that appointed time. But learning will be hampered when you skip a practice period because you are unwilling to devote the time to it which you are asked to give. Do not deceive yourself in this. Those practice periods which you have lost because you did not want to do them for whatever reason should be done as soon as you have changed your mind about your goal. The format you should use for these reviews is this. Devote five minutes twice a day or longer, if you would prefer, to considering the thoughts that are assigned. Place the ideas within your mind and let it use them as it chooses. Have faith in these reviews. The means the Holy Spirit uses will not fail. You have been given them in perfect trust, in perfect confidence that you could use them well, in perfect faith that you would see their messages and use them for yourself. We emphasize the benefits to you if you devote the first five minutes of the day to your review and also give the last five minutes of your waking day to it. The exercises to be done throughout the day are equally important and perhaps of even greater value. In these reviews, we stress the need to let your learning let not lie idly by between your longer practice periods. Attempt to give your daily two ideas a brief but serious review each hour. Use one on the hour and the other one a half an hour later. You need not give more than just a moment to each one. Repeat it and allow your mind to rest a little time in silence and in peace. Then turn to other things, but try to keep the thought with you. Do not repeat it and then lay it down. Its usefulness is limitless to you. Each day's review assignment will conclude with a restatement of the thought to use each hour and the one to be applied on each half hour as well. Forget them not. Do not forget how little you have learned. Do not forget how much you can learn now. 
Do not forget your father's need of you as you review these thoughts he gave to you. I will go to the first one. This is the review of 91. Miracles are seen in light. I cannot see in darkness that the light of holiness and truth light up my mind and let me see the innocence within. We'll take a moment on this. Miracles are seen in light. I cannot see in darkness. Let the light of holiness and truth light up my mind and let me see the innocence within. 91. Miracles are seen in light. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. That makes me look forward to the half hour. Thank you very much. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Um, hi guys, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to leave now. Can someone do the half hour? Lori, can you do it? Oh, I'd be tickled pink too. Thanks. Oh, yes. thank you, sweetie. Um, All right. Please go with you. See you guys Monday. Thank you. Farewell, Farewell. Thank you. Thank you. comment about this lesson, Miracles Are Seen in Light. Um, On the earlier call when we did this lesson, um, I was explaining how my daughter is sick and the baby is sick and in the middle of the night, it's so fearful and real and someone's not muted. Um... I was saying how 
you know, I mean, I went through a process of un- disidentifying with the fear. You know, I'm not a body, I'm spirit, they are spirit, they can't really be sick, you know, sick is, uh, God can't be sick and they're part of God, God can't suffer, they can't suffer. Using yesterday's reading from the text to unwind um, the fear thought about them being sick. But when I started to share, I, I prefaced it by saying that all my life, you know, the biggest reason for spiritual life was to protect my children with the light that that was my my goal when i started 39 years ago i was pregnant with my daughter who's now got the baby and i wanted her to live in light and i had had a taste of a spiritual awakening so everything i did was with the intention that she should be in the light and she should be protected and I didn't get that piece last night. I mean, I did, I did un, uh, disidentify from the fear that I felt was I was being enveloped by. I definitely disidentified from it so that I could go back to sleep in peace, feeling my oneness with God, believing in my oneness with love and God. But <clears throat> I didn't look at the dynamic of this um, historic theme so when we did the lesson this morning, I didn't get that piece. But just now when I did it, um, I saw that there's a theme my ego has projected for a lifetime about having to protect my children. And it started in childhood when my younger brother and sister, who were my two brothers, rather, who were my, um, I was in taking care of them. I was their caretaker most of the time. And then my mother would come home and she would beat them and she would rage. And I always felt like if I could figure out how to be good and do everything perfectly, then my mother wouldn't come home and rage and take it out on them. And I didn't see that this was a historic theme of the ego. So miracles are seen in light. Miracles dispel the darkness. Miracles... This is, the, this is the miracle of the Course, is that it goes to the absolute root of the problem in a way that is absolutely positively inconceivable. That instead of it just showing me, yes, I don't have to be afraid because my fear thoughts are about the body and the body isn't real, and, you know, go through all of that, that's one approach to it, of course. But there is this other miracle that just happened. A miracle is a shift in perception. I see now that this is a historic way of interpreting what's going on, the external reality. Someone is sick. I have to protect them. I have to figure out how to protect them. That's my ego's story. All of a sudden, there's a shift in perception that this is, this is also just a theme that my conditioned mind is projecting into external reality and not true. You know, of course I can give it to God and trust that God is protecting me, but from this moment I can see it that, ah, that's the same old theme again, just like the theme about nobody sees me and I'm invisible. I mean, that's a theme. It's an ego theme. It keeps rearing its ugly head. Once again, 
But this is this is not real. Miracles are seen in light. The Course in Miracles shows us where we're stuck in this ego um, template of our conditioning and projecting an unreal reality through our interpretations that isn't even real. And that's a choice, the choice to let go of it and let it be healed in the, in the light of truth. I'm sorry if I went on too long. I'm complete. Oh, gosh, you did not. That was so magnificent. Just, just awesome, Karen. The escape from the dichotomy. That's, um, Thank you, you articulated Karen. it so beautifully. Yes, you did. And I, I can totally relate to the thing of feeling, um, I can feel very invisible myself and, and, um, have to remind myself that, you know, God is right there with me. I think it had to do with, uh, my mom told me that when I was born, she told my dad to make sure to take care of my sister, who's two years older. So when dad came home, he was always attracted to my sister, I thought, but really it was so that mom could take care of me. So it was something that continued, and I really, uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to get over that. <laughs> like, that's not important. It's not important uh, in how I, um, it's not true, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> so thank you, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, Robin Marie. I think the Course in Miracles is the most profound psychotherapy there is. I'm complete. Amen. That is so Amen to that. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Amen to that, Karen. And I just have to say, you can't take too much time doing what you're doing because at least the course says that's what time is for. <laughs> so that was that was beautiful, I think. Thing of recognizing you know, the circumstances, whatever it is that's going on, it exists. But being a division and separation conflict, whatever the form, it's, uh, it can't, can't carry on forever, and therefore, even though it exists, it's not real, and we can move beyond it, but the thing of seeing beyond it first, seeing what is, what is real and eternal is essential to moving beyond it to see beyond it first. So thank you again, Karen. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Really, thank you for your shares. 
Good morning. It's Jude. I have um, um, just in recognition the title uh, "Magic versus Miracles." Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't understand that what that meant, that word magic and and the word miracle, that the difference between um, something that came to me and in a moment of clarity this morning, the difference between miracle impulses, which are an expression of love, an expression of the affirmation of truth, the truth of who we are, that we're minds, we think we're minds, we're really one mind, but, you know, until we're restored, we have our own part to read in the plan of God's salvation for his sonship, to recognize that my mind is separate from the mind of God, that I am thinking apart from God, apart from loving, only loving thoughts, apart from only seeing my brother as a spirit in the same one-mindedness as myself, that everything is an idea in the mind of God. Everything that I see is holy, as holy as I am, whole and complete in the totality, totality of that reality, that there's nothing in between anything. It's God's mind, and it's all held in, its, in God's holiness, that, you know, all perception through the body, and here's where the word magic comes in, you know, the, that, we we magically usurped our free will. Man made himself an idol unto himself, a body. And this this reading is so particularly strong with this idea that it just shakes me, shakes me at the rafters of the house, you know, that I think I am. I think, I used to think, now this isn't such a strong belief anymore, but I used to think that my body's eyes saw and that my body's brain thought and that I was the thinker and I was thinking my thoughts. Now the Course has taught me that's insanity, that if I think I'm thinking Judy's thoughts, I'm not thinking at all. I'm completely separate from the mind of God. If I perceive myself as a body, I'm, a, I'm uh, making a distortion of myself. I'm trying to change myself into something I'm not. Now, this is big stuff, you know. This is like, this is what I call <laughs> graduate levels of, of trying to comprehend spirituality and you know this is so big that we have the power of the mind of God that God's peaceful absolutely perfectly loving mind created my mind and lit up my mind to be an extension of his now any thought that I have outside of that that's different from that that opposes that isn't really thinking at all. If I identify myself as a body, and this, the word blasphemy comes to me in, because it's in the next part of the, next in this denial of God stuff. 
So to see others as a body is to worship them as a God other than God. To see my brother as a body, whether it's sick or beautifully healthy, to see myself as a body, whether I'm sick or beautifully healthy, is making an idol image of myself. And that I need to understand that I am spirit. I am mine, purely mine, in the service of the Holy Spirit. And that's what makes me miracle-minded. That's what helps miracles are seen in the light means to me from the lesson today. Miracles are seen in the light of the, the understanding of myself, of who I, and what I am in truth. That I can see myself as God created me. That's the seeing with the peaceful, loving, loving mind of God. That's lighting up my mind. I see in the light. I see everything as the light. And then, you know, the this, this second one, the strength. Um, takes me back, and I'll, I'll I'll wrap it up. Even though there's so much, this is so so juicy and rich with um, things we could talk about. And I love to hear you shares um, that the word magic um, in the teacher's manual refers to us as self-made, self-willed, independent individual creatures. It's the belief in our own power of thinking, our own power of being the doer and the getting things done. <laughs> and this is like what the Course says is insane, that we think we are this thing, thinking and acting and um, being separate from God in an image of our own making. So this is big, big, big Course stuff for me. And um, it, it gets to the, to the root of the, the fear that I've usurped the power of God. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what I've made myself. But it's just insane, and it's never really happened. And that's why forgiveness is the last illusion to undo all illusions. The belief in, in, um, that what we made is really nothing. And it will disappear. What? Whatever, wherever we think we see our brothers and sisters will disappear into the nothingness out of which he was made. And the world will disappear because the world's just propaganda for the, for the perceptions of the sensorial body. No seeing through the body, no hearing through the body, no touching through the body. What we are is spirit, and we don't need senses as being a spirit. Incredible likeness of being. In the mind of God, no strange images in the mind of God. Um, what's not in his mind can't be in mind if we are one mind. And the mind belongs to him. And, you know, <laughs> and he wants to share his joy and perfect protection, perfect love, perfect holiness, perfect bliss, perfect happiness with me. Will I deny it? Well, I acknowledge it and claim it today. Ergo, here I grow. Thank you so much. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Karen. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy.
want to share that I, what's coming to mind is Jesus says, maybe not in the Course in Miracles, but he says, pay Caesar what's due Caesar. Now, at night, I will lock my door, but I won't spend the night fearing an invasion. I'll go outside, and if it's raining, I'll open my umbrella, but I won't walk in fear of or, or, or worry about getting wet. I think that there's a place from a cellular level way back in evolution. There are properties of one-celled living cells that if you it, they gravitate towards nutrition and they innately move away from toxicity. <clears throat> the body itself <clears throat> as I cough to get rid of certain things that don't belong in the respiratory tract, thank God, and I'll blink in order to get rid of any kind of irritant. So there are two levels. Now, there's times when I have to actually act defensively and pull the fire alarm and get the fire trucks there to put out the fire. That is, there is a place for that. But again, at night, after I lock the door, I don't think about attack. I eat healthfully and I live gratefully most of the time. But I don't discard taking care of the body which does operate under the laws of nature. So I will do what I can on one level, defensive, but the, gr the greater thing is to be with doing the things, it, it, it's encapsulated by the statement, it's better to light a candle than curse the darkness. But sometimes I need to call the fire department. But I don't dwell on the sympathetic response. If I'm in a ball game, I will focus on hitting a home run. Defense is important, but also being able to hit the home run is, is what I'm focusing on. So I just want to talk about the fact that there is a place I know in my strength in my defenselessness lies my strength I think that's how the statement goes and in my defenselessness lies my happiness but I will lock the door and then live in happiness I pay Caesar what's due Caesar but I don't live Defensively, I'm complete. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. I think the um, 
this is this is important to me because I I I understand and I appreciate the the discussion about levels and you know at the the level of ultimate truth we don't have to worry about the bodies we won't have bodies but it's 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 firm the course is firm in saying that my mind must elect at what level it chooses to serve the truth and that I can't be on the fence about it that the belief in death is the human affirmation in in a belief in level confusion and I can't be a miracle worker miracle minded or correct any distortion either in my perception or in anyone else's perception, as long as I'm riding two horses. I'm believing that I'm a body, and I'm saying I'm a spirit. So I'm not, I'm not knowing God. I'm talking about knowing God. And there's, there's a distinction in the way that the Course says that perception must be undone, how I perceive myself. I can't perceive myself because I'm not an image to be perceived. The truth needs to be known and experienced, and that's the goal of the Course, to undo perception so I can know myself. I am here to find out the truth and know myself because that's the only way I can know anything else in reality or else I'm living in the dream. I'm living in a dream of thinking I know who I am, and I think I know what everything else is. Ergo, that's my my little... <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, thank you. Well, thank you, Judy. And on, the, on that uh, notion of correct perception, uh, Lori, could you... Uh, Lead us in the second oh, I'd love to. Yeah. period of the hour. I'd love to. Thank you. I would really love to. Um, I, I so appreciate his instruction um, to attempt to give these two ideas a brief but serious review each hour because they're so perfectly paired, one on the hour and one on the other half hour. Just a moment, okay? The second half of today's lesson is miracles are seen in light and light and strength are one. I see through strength the gift of God to me. My weakness is the dark. His gift dispels by giving me his strength to take its place. Take a moment. We'll take a moment to receive this gift.
Miracles are seen in light, and light and strength are one. Amen, and thank you. Thank you, Father. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. Oh, don't we just gain strength when we share that? <laughs> just right before, um, just right before we took that pause, um, I have a dog door sitting right here next to my desk, and when they're highly motivated, the dogs know how to go out that door, and something motivated him while Steve was speaking. And I heard a tiny cry. So, of course, I went out to investigate. And there they both stood over um, the little body of a young squirrel. It has never happened before. And before it happened, I, I'd been thinking, isn't this a beautiful reading? And um, And it points in the direction that Either everything is holy or nothing is. Either everything is light or nothing is. Either everything is a miracle or nothing is. And um, I picked up the body of that little squirrel and held him against me for a minute. He was breathing and his heart was beating, so I set him in the grass just outside the fence and gave him a little a little sigh of gratitude and thanksgiving and you know ego mind is so interesting to observe in moments like that um oh, I wanted to scold the dogs I wanted to cry for the life I wanted to um going to have all kind of reactions you know but as I held that little animal against me and felt his breath, his little chest, all I could think of is thank you. Thank you, thank you for the opportunity to love this little creature. That's all that's needed. You know, he says in this work, you can only give love to anything, nor can you receive anything but love from anything. Oh, he says so many beautiful things in this section. But that idea of fighting against, of reacting against, of uh, judging against, all of that need not be fought against. I only need to ask for the light and for the strength of God to fill me. And beyond that, there is nothing. Either everything's a miracle or nothing is. Do I need to do I need to do anything about that? No. But when I accept the truth of it, I'm in peace. <laughs> in spite of these little critters or in spite of anything else my mind would react against. God loves that little creature as much as as I do in that moment when I feel him. And um, 
Beyond that, nothing else is needed. These two lessons, you know, 91 and 92, begin just like 61, I am the light of the world. If the light of the world goes with you, he says, then the loneliness in heaven is gone. This is the way salvation works. As you step back, the light in you steps forward. Um, these two lessons are are the key to me uh, for everything this Course teaches. And ultimately, it's for me to come to understand that all dichotomy, all split, all of that was error in my mind. Isn't the first idea today just beautiful? It underscores for me why he says, if you see with light, light is all you can see. I cannot see in darkness. Let the light of holiness and truth light up my mind and let me see the innocence within. When we get to chapter 21, he says, Everything seen with vision is healed and holy. Nothing seen without it means anything. When the light of truth lights up my mind, that's what he means by healing the level, healing the split mind. He says it says it really clearly in paragraph 88. If I accept dichotomy as a possibility, I will not be able to limit the consequences of that split. I'll try. I'll try like crazy. Oh, I was wrong. Oh, I was wrong. You know, and I'll let my thoughts uh, multiply and try to um, force healing on my mind. But that's not the way it works. It works in silence and acceptance and waiting waiting for the strength of God to come and resolve my dichotomy that's why these two lessons paired together mean so much miracles are seen in light light, 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 light the strength of God is his gift to me I need I need the light of truth and when I rest my mind when I rest it then it comes and I can have that moment of holding that little life form and giving it my blessing recognizing that I can carry just a fraction of it compared to my father I think I'm complete Thank you, Lori. I appreciate your love. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori. It's so beautiful to watch you just keep exploding in your heart. I'm complete. Thank you, Lori. It reminds me that all life is that God created it. 
there's no difference between that little squirrel and me and you and everyone of life. It's the forms that confuse me. Allow it to make differences between the forms. Differences in color and ethnicity. Difference in what part of the animal kingdom we come from. Difference between the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom all speak to the power of separation. The truth is, all life is as God created it. It's you and I, the plant and the animals. Is as God created it. One spirit. Spirit am I. God's holy creation. I am as God created me. So beautiful. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, thank you, Harrison. Hi, this is um, Yogi Chris. I really appreciate your authenticity about the little squirrel and how you see that in light. I really appreciate the lesson today that reminds us about seeing in light. Um, I had a similar experience when my cat who loves to hunt uh, dug up a home of baby rabbits and kind of was clawing at them and several of them passed away, did their transition right there and then. And But there was one left and um, my wife and I at the time took some time to pat it and hold it and bring its anxiety down. And we went to the pet store, got a box, some grass, uh, a bottle, a water bottle, uh, a bottle to feed it, goat's milk and everything, and just to comfort it and feed it and love it. And, but she also shared with me her experiencing of feelings of upset and experiencing the feelings of sadness and concern. Uh, and of course, 
I've experienced the same thing when I initially saw at a at one point my Miles, my loving pet, do something similar, or previous cats. So I took the time to experience the upset within myself and um, the sadness, the concern. So I was, and, and, and I'm, I'm pretty well versed in experiencing that and bringing love to that within myself. Um, so, of course, I, I, I usually say thank you to my higher power for the feelings that are arising, coming in that light, because when I'm aware of what's going on and bringing kindness or, or non-judgment and practicing that often and being understanding to, the, to that from the past and allow it to pass and extending God's loving light to myself, I, I could easily do it for extend that to someone else because I've done it so much within myself. Um, and, you know, of course, forgiveness is a big thing. For giving over the grievance at that time about my pet to God, giving out, giving over the grievance that I had about myself about that and giving it over for a more loving way of looking. Uh, that's important. That's important because it, as I bring that to the light of a more loving expression, I could be so present in that life for others. I love the prayer there, the lesson, that says that we could see now miracles in that holy light, that we could see in light, that that light of holiness and truth is in our mind and can light up our minds. And any situation, actually, of course, when you light up your mind, you have to see things lit up because that mind is lit up. And see the innocence. See the innocence within Miles, the cat. Uh, see the innocence within my wife at that time. And bring a compassionate and caring energy. Again, first to my within and then without. And without within because they're, they're one in the same. But I want to say it's more it's very important that I do it within. Um, and the, the reminder that we could be one in that light and strength through loving expressions, especially, especially when someone is experiencing feelings of grief, especially, and seeing through, seeing through that with strength, and the gift of God within us. And, ex and that light, that gift expels, dispels ways of looking 
am feeling that doesn't serve me when I see it coming up. I love, Laurie, what you said about the witness, the observer that sees that those feelings within yourself that you are, and, and that gives that strength of Christ's vision in those times. Incomplete. That was beautiful, Steve. I especially loved the way you talked about forgiveness as overlooking, just overlooking all interference. Thank you for that. Good morning, Karen. This is in my glasses. Go back to the text. I highlighted a few things that that were so powerful and wonderful from today's reading. Starting with, you are not free to give up freedom, but only to deny it. You did not, you cannot do what God did not intend because what he did not intend does not happen. Your gods do not bring chaos. You are endowing them with chaos and accepting it from them. All this has never been. Nothing but the laws of God has ever operated and nothing except his will will ever be. I just love that because it says that the external world we made and it's totally benign and empty and meaningless and it's just an illusion, just like mist, like Jesus says. But if we endow it with the power of our belief and our minds, And it so often happens, you know, when people are talking about the chaos. Oh, and this happened, and that happened, and I wonder if it means this, and it should probably, you know, it might make this happen in the future. And it's all endowing the chaos with power. And then we, and then we, when we're delusional, we, we um, accept the chaos as if it's real, which it isn't. Um, Reality can dawn only on an unclouded mind. It is always there to be accepted, but its acceptance depends on your willingness to have it. 
to know reality must involve the willingness to judge unreality for what it is. And this is the right use of selective perception, to overlook nothingness, judging it correctly. Knowledge cannot dawn on the mind full of illusions, and truth and illusions are irreconcilable. So when the ego mind is activated, and I'm suddenly enveloped by all the falsehood of my fears and my unprocessed, unhealed, and unforgiven past, I have to just have the willingness to go back into the silence. And for me, it's like last night, I turned my mind to a place of just open acceptance and asked the Holy Spirit to come into me. You know, I wasn't staring into the chaos of it all. I wasn't even really having to work, you know, I am not a body, I am spirit. I wasn't doing that so much as before I can do anything, I have to just open. I have to get centered and open to the Holy Spirit. I have to breathe in God and breathe God out, giving and receiving our one in truth. You know, the natural flow of my body and is breathing in and breathing out. It's the same with my spirit. I take in God's divine energy. That's how I exist. And then I extend it, hopefully, and more and more, hopefully, without distorting it into the world as light and love and strength and truth. And so that's my first practice. Before I can do anything, I can't listen to the Holy Spirit's truth in my mind until I get to the place where I have that willingness and that openness to be aligned. And it's always there to be accepted, but acceptance depends on my willingness to have it. Willingness to judge unreality for what it is, is right use of selective perception. So everything else that's going on in my mind, I can say I don't want. You know, and, and then it becomes clearer to me, like the fog starts clearing and the mists start clearing, and I can see what's a judgment and what's a fear and what's a false old pattern, a habit pattern from my ego and childhood. Um, reality cannot break through the obstructions you interpose, but it will envelop you completely when you let them go. And that's like just melting into that place where I'm open and receptive to God and to the Holy Spirit. When I get into that place, I become enveloped by it, and everything else starts to dissipate and clear. I was doing that yesterday in the five-minute on the hour practices and all it was was going into that place for five minutes where I just felt open and receptive resting in God I am as God created me not a lot of thought things going on not a lot of talking to myself yesterday anyway during the day it didn't feel necessary all it was was the experiential feeling of resting in God just resting in God and asking to be open to receive. I am open to receive. I, I can't fix myself. I can't heal my childhood. I can't undo all my samskaras and all my false beliefs. But the Holy Spirit will purify them if I'm open and receptive. If I extend the light, if my willingness is centered on extending the light. Um, 
It says the little light must be acknowledged first, for the separation was a descent from magnitude to littleness. So sometimes when I see other people, or sometimes when I think of myself in the ego's uh, worldview, the ethos of the ego, I don't have much going on. It looks like littleness, but I know the spark is as pure as the great light, and I put my faith in it. What else can we do? We're only here for one reason, and that's to become the great light again. And um, I just want to finish on this one thing that happened yesterday. So in the middle of the night, I I go into the living room where the big plants are, and that's where I sit. And the other day, my neighbors across the street, I live in this little development, very uh, separate life development of 55 plus. And the people across the street dug up their, we have a little patch in front of the house where you can plant things. And they dug up all these beautiful bearded irises and azaleas. And my heart was breaking because I wanted to run over and rescue them. But I don't really know those. They're two men. And I don't know them very well. And I thought, you know, I might offend them if I criticized them for digging up these things. Anyway, they took everything out of the bed and they put a gorgeous statue of Mary. And so in the middle of the night when I meditate and I'm facing my plants in my special spot to meditate, I'm also facing this beautiful statue of Mary out my window and they put a light on it. And I, when I thought of that last night, I just thought everywhere I turn is God. Everywhere I turn is God. Form doesn't matter, you know, it's the essence. Like I think Judy was saying, it's the essence. It's the it's the uh, the truth, the Christ beyond the form is everywhere. And they put this beautiful reminder of Christ in front of my house with a light shining on it. So in the night, in the dark, when I'm meditating, there it is. It's just so beautiful. It's kind of like going to true north, you know. It's setting the compass of my mind to appreciate, you know. The ego mind might have thought, well, how ridiculous that you dug up these bearded rats. I mean, I would love to have those bearded irises in my house. Anyway, it was um, turning my mind to Mary, and I used to have a practice to Mary, a very strong practice. I said the rosary every day for years, years, at one phase of my spiritual life. So when I started to say the, the Hail Mary in the middle of the night, I said it, the light just was so powerful and so sublime. You know, it felt like you got so much stronger. And I thought it was just going out into this whole neighborhood. And I cannot tell you how many statues of Mary are in my neighborhood. It's like, it's really amazing. I feel like it's such a blessing to this, to this little uh, development. It's full of Mary statues everywhere. I mean, Two houses away, there's a Mary Shrine in the front patch. It's just amazing, truly amazing. Uh, so, yeah, turning the mind to God and opening up and extending the love and the reverence for God's beauty and truth. I'm complete. I hope that wasn't too rambling. I'm not at all. <laughs> Everywhere I look. Oh, what a phrase. Thank you, Karen.
And thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Karen. Good morning. This is Patricia. Karen share just got me, <clears throat> or I have to tell you what just happened here because the garden's such a big part of my uh, my devotion, my prayer time. Is that um, I'm newly returning to a very very old garden that I began, and she called her name Amazing Grace, actually. And so I'm here now, uh, been away for eight years. So it's kind of running itself. And I went out last year and I invested in all kinds of wildflower seeds. And I researched and I, oh, I can't tell you how many things I got. It's a seven-acre woodland with a variety of different areas. And I had a shade meadow seeded field, and then I had a sunny meadow shaded seeded field, and then I even went out on this place we call Windmill Hill, and it's a huge, like, big rock, rocky kind of edge of a ridge, and I even seeded that with all these plants that would grow down deep and hold the soil, and so I had so much serious purpose. But the theme this year of I'm not a body, and I'm not a body for you to see what I am would sing all the time in me. And so here is the story in reality. I went out one morning and Guadalupe, a gardener who has really been managing this place, was so thrilled you have gone in before the plants got strong and he de-weeded. Well, you guys, he de-weeded my wildflower planting. <laughs> you know, nobody knew about it. So there I was just, <gasps> my God, he actually is in his sixth wheelbarrow of clearing the soil of all the weeds. <laughs> and I just took a deep breath hearing, we're not a body. <laughs> and I just smiled and said thank you and sort of shook my way back in the same way Karen was sharing. But that wasn't enough of what God had in store for me because a few weeks later, I heard the weed whacker going and he'd taken to the other fields. And he wanted to make sure he cleared them all for the fire hazard stuff he was doing. Brand new things I didn't know about. And there it went down. And the song, We're Not a Body. <laughs> and I really then, though, you guys, I could see through it how excited and proud he was. And how much joy there was everywhere. 
There was no fear now of fire. And I walked all shaky back into the cabin with, oh my. But this morning I walked out there and underneath all the weed whacked cuttings, there are some wildflowers peeking out. But it's not because they're important. They're just telling me we're not the story anymore. We're just a celebrating. So, really, it's never been a more beautiful garden. And honey, I have a Madonna. When you walk in my front door, it's on the desk. And I have one when you walk out my back door. And it's out in the garden. Oh, our Mother Mary knows. We're not a body. And when we see others as not a body, we tremble. The silence grows a vision of everything growing. Thank you. That was just beautiful, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. That was very inspiring. How you didn't you didn't get disturbed about it. I'm really inspired. Thank you. I'll quickly come back for the truth of it. I have to be honest. I stressed profoundly. I cried sometimes. Oh, I couldn't stop shaking. I got in the water a lot. I did a lot of deep breathing. It wasn't easy. But then hearing your story, you're helping me be able to share mine. Is that through that silence, the truth is if, if you come to this garden right now, it would knock your socks off. I can't even tell you how gorgeous it is. And yet, I went through a lot of misery. And actually still looking out, wondering, what would have happened if he hadn't cut you all down? (laughs) But I laugh at that part. If that's just the part that makes the, the movie, the movie interesting. Makes you all laugh at the end when you come out of the show. Thank you. Thank you, What came to mind when you shared was all things received correctly are opportunities for healing. It felt like all that grieving was just purifying anything and everything that was ever held in the unconscious, blocking your light a little bit. It felt like more purification and complete. Indeed. Thank you, Karen. Yes, thank you, Karen and Patricia. And gotta gotta pick some point to <laughs> call an end to the recording. <clears throat> um now let me ask you now before the end of the recording, Lori. 
Would you be willing to leave the top of the hour practice here at quarter past if we like in the recording? Oh yeah. Oh marvelous. Pause again for the privilege of reflecting on this lesson again. Miracles are seen in light. Like I cannot see in darkness. Let the light of holiness and truth light up my mind and let me see the innocence within. <laughs> 